FAU and FIU fans, welcome to another episode of the Shulable Podcast. Uh, we have the whole crew here. Uh, yes, this is Shane opening the show. Eric's with us today, but uh, he's had some wisdom teeth issues, and you know I, he, he's not um, at a hundred percent. He was a game time decision. You know, he was like one of those guys that comes out and you see like an hour and a half before he's running with his ankle tape and they're just seeing how it's going to be. That's how it kind of was with him tonight. But we do have him out. So anyone that has Eric in their uh, podcast fantasy league, hopefully get you some points tonight. Um, Guys, tough weekend for so many reasons. Kind of lots to talk about. Uh, I know we definitely did a lot of talking as I was driving back from my uh, trip, uh, seeing some FAU recruits this weekend. But uh, David, uh, it, it feels like the shine of the Miami game has worn off. Yeah, uh, that's to put it lightly. Um, wow, <laughs> that, that I'm still I'm still not really over Saturday. That was embarrassing, disgusting, like. I don't even think there's enough words in the alphabet to describe what I witnessed on Saturday. I mean, this is an 0-4 Middle Tennessee team that has lost to an FCS school already this year. Coming into our house after we have a bye week, we have two weeks to prepare for them, and then we just played like that. We played bad, and I, 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 I'm putting this loss on Butch, um, you know, how do you how do you ride with Wiggins the entire time, man? I know there were things that came out um, about you know we had some false positives, uh, which meant that a lot of guys couldn't get a full practice, get full practices in, and that's why he decided to stick with Wiggins. But man, when you have thirty passing yards for the entire game, you you can't win like that. And the worst part about it is that if you're gonna ride with Wiggins at least played with strengths. Uh, they didn't do many QB design runs. Uh, they just kept the offense the same and that's not his strength. And it, it costs, it essentially costs us. Cause you know, I saw a lot of people, some people were complaining about the defense. Listen, is our defense great? No, but they, I thought they played, you know, they had a good game. They, pl- they did enough to have us win. They got enough stops. Uh, they had two interceptions. They had like five sacks. Uh, they kept, you know, besides Asher O'Hare, the running backs, I think, had 20 yards rushing. I mean, the defense wasn't the issue. It was the fact that we couldn't score, and then we would have, you know, a three and out and put the defense right back on. But I just think you got to roll with the better guy, which I think is Stone. Um, that's who I think Stone would have given us a better chance to win, especially at the end. And, yeah, man, it's just it's just so disappointing it is so disappointing to have lost to Middle Tennessee. But those are my thoughts. Eric, you got anything to add? Yeah, certainly. So um, I quick point of clarification, David. Uh, Middle Tennessee State has not lost to an FCS team. It's uh, Army, Troy, Western Kentucky, and uh, um, UTSA have been to four losses. So uh, the, the, things are bad right now, but if we want to we'll pile that on, here are kind of you know my big takeaways. And, David, before I, I – or when I end, I'll pass it back to you for one more thing as far as just kind of getting an idea of um, what fans are thinking. Because obviously, you know, we want this to be the show for fans and of fans. So we definitely want to tap into that fan perspective as well and what you've been hearing. 
But here are kind of my big takeaways. You know, you talk about the quarterback situation. And for me, I've got the numbers right in front of me. I'm on stat broadcast. 8 of 21 for 58 yards, one pick. Kalen Wiggins, 5 of 15 for 37. Stone Norton, 3 of 5 for 21. Max Bordenschlager, 0 of 1. Uh, no completions. I don't necessarily have an issue with uh, – I'm going to take Coach Davis at his word that David mentioned. I asked uh, Butch Davis shortly after his opening statement. You know, I think it was the question that was on everyone's mind. Why did you make the decision to go with Kalen the rest of the way? And Coach kind of said, hey, you know, because he was the only one who practiced. He was the one who got the majority of the practice snaps towards the end of the week. I don't as much have an issue with playing Kalen as much as, and I've talked about this. You know, I, 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 anyone who's listened to this podcast knows that I don't shill for my work. That's not really my style. However, I would ask any FIU fan who kind of wants some insight as to maybe why Saturday happened. I wrote a profile of offensive coordinator Rich Skrosky in the offseason. And one of the things it talks about, Coach Davis, as well as Coach Skrosky, are open about it they have a specific type of quarterback that they're looking for to run this system. It's not someone who, to quote Butch Davis, a gun run, you know, type of guy. Butch Davis openly said, what type, what receiver is going to want to play with a quarterback who can't throw the football? Here's the thing. With Kalen Wiggins, has he struggled as a passer so far? Yes. But, David, and I said this to you off air, you saw what Asher O'Hara did in the first quarter. He threw two ugly picks. Those weren't even, and David, I don't know, did you, did you see the pick slides? I know you were uh, in class. Yeah, I, I, I saw it. I had, uh, you know, don't tell my professor. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I mean, we, we won't get David out uh, in grad school in trouble. Uh, but those were ugly picks. Right? He, Asher O'Hara looked ugly in the first half, right, as a passer. What did Tony Franklin and uh, Rick Stockstill choose to do? They ran design runs to get him going, kind of get his confidence going, and then come back to the pass. The thing that was noticeable, and I would hope it was noticeable for any FIU fan, is this. What was bewildering is that they were running the same offense, it, it, more or less, the same offense for Kalen Wiggins that they would have run with Stone Norton, Max Bordenschlager, James Morgan, Alex Magoo. And that just wasn't going to work. It looked as if, without you know having a chance to, to go back and rewatch the game because of the, the um, wisdom tooth surgery that I had, but just on first glance and talking to Coach postgame, it looked as if they were telling Kalen, Drop back. If the first read isn't there, use your legs. And that just wasn't going to work because, it, I mean, we saw what it ended up to. I mean, Kalen went eight carries with 20 yards. We didn't even get going as a rusher. I would have liked to have seen David. There were a couple, a couple third and fives, third and sixes, you know, uh, conversion type situations where if you get some type of design run, some type of like option type going, then maybe you have a better shot of that than Kalen dropping back as a passer. And, you know, if that first read isn't there, then all of a sudden it's just playing backyard football. So that was the biggest frustration. And if I were an FIU fan, I, that's what I would want you to focus on and be frustrated at that. Outside of that, you look at the rest of the game, David, two backs, 100 yards, Sean Peterson Jr., uh, you know, scores his first career touchdown passes, first career touchdown, um, rushing touchdowns, excuse me, he goes over 100 yards. Devontae Price, he is back. His vision is phenomenal. He goes over 100 yards. The defense played well enough. And once again, David, I'm, I'm, I know I'm going to pass it back to you as far as the fan perspective, but uh, the defense, in my opinion, played well enough. Uh, this is a defense that was not getting sacks last year. They were not getting to the quarterback until Alexi Jean-Baptiste and Chris Whitaker were healthy uh, and, and eligible. Without Alexi Jean-Baptiste, they got three sacks, nine tackles for loss right there. I mean, that's well enough to win. That's good enough to win, in addition to the two interceptions. Uh, special teams, Flex Joseph is probably the best kick returner in Conference USA. He had another good game on uh, as far as kick return. Tommy Heavily, solid game. So my thing overall is it's very rare when you can point it to one position and say this is kind of what lost it. But I, 
I, I would be curious to ask Coach Skrowski and Butch, you know, a little further on last week, knowing them, they won't elaborate on it. But my big thing is I would have liked to have seen some type of amending of the offense to play to Kalen Wiggins' strengths, strengths um, that being Union's legs. And it just didn't seem like that was the case. So, David, I'll, I'll pass back to you for that fan perspective. Well, yeah, before I get into that, I, I, yeah, totally, yeah. I totally agree with you, Eric. Uh, I think that that was the biggest issue, that they weren't playing into his strengths. If you're going to keep him out there – you're right. You have to throw in designed runs, uh, get him feeling more comfortable, and then getting the defense, you know, on maybe a play action every now and then that, you know, it's going to make a big play. And I'll tell you what, there's even like, even with, with, uh, you know, the, the bad quarterback play, um, we were still somehow in this game. And it's because of everything you just said, we had a great running day. The defense made enough stops, but you know, I, I just, I truly believe that, you know, I think Butch got outcoached. And I think that's the leads me into fan perspective. A lot of the fans are, are I think, in full panic mode. Uh, a lot of them are calling for Butch's head. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not a happy crowd in Panther Nation right now. Um, and that's, to put it lightly, a lot of people, you can just see a lot of people replying to, like, the PFI football's Twitter feeds and with, like, Fire Butch, fire Strosky, fire Cobb. So it's just, I think everyone's kind of in panic mode. But, I mean, I wish I could sit here and tell them that, you know, to relax. But, like, I, what I've seen, not only just these first two games, but from, you know, the end of last season after the Miami game, it's we've kind of just been on a downward spiral, and it's, it's, it's worrisome. It is worrisome. But, Shane, I, I'll kick it back to you as, you know, as the FAU perspective. Uh, what did you see out there? Well, just in regards to the quarterback, uh, and I and I didn't watch the whole game in its entirety. I was out of town, so I was trying to catch as much as I can. The, I was in Georgia, so there was people flipping, you know, back to the Georgia game. But uh, my thing is, is okay. It's one thing to have this issue and play this game and not, you know, maybe have a poor kind of executing of the offense or the quarterback fitting in and lose a game versus FAU or Marshall. Uh, I think where FIU fans should want to be expectations wise is you should be able to play a C game and beat middle Tennessee by two touchdowns. Sorry. Right. You guys are saying all the other good things and that's, I get it. It's really hard to overcome that type of quarterback play. And this is where I kind of go back and I'm going to discuss more big picture here. And that's why I was kind of, and I tweeted out, I said, the seat's not hot. And truly, but it should be warm because, you know, going back to last year, uh, you know, who you lost to the the final loss before you played Miami was uh, FAU, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yes. And then the game before that was Middle Tennessee. And then you lost that Middle Tennessee game. You got crushed. And there was that feeling of, okay, well, even to get bowl eligible, we have to either beat FAU, Miami, or Marshall, which seemed in. And I remember, I think we had an episode where I said, okay, if you don't win those three games based on how you played against Middle Tennessee, where does that leave Bush after three years, especially in the comparison of where Lane Kiffin was at the time? And now to start a season like this in year four, it just feels man, you should be much further along. And Eric and I had this kind of back and forth. 
and I know the argument is, well, he's the best coach we've ever had. And, you know, it's not Ron Turner. But my thing is, as FIU fans, you guys should have the expectations of what your crosstown rivals are doing. What other teams in the state are doing? That should be your expectations. You don't look back and say, well, we're not as bad as the Ron Turner days. Uh, because it, it, that's how you end up in mediocrity. And right now, I mean, <laughs> this loss is, this is a terrible loss. Hey, David, do you mind if I address that really quick before um, you do? I'll go for it. Yeah. So I, I just want to say this real quickly, you know, and Shane and I have talked ad nauseum about pretty much everything under the sun. Um, I, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, engage in, in fire butch or fire anyone talk. You know, I, I guess that's my role as the, as the journalist here. But I'm just going to state this fact because it, it, it is what it is. If you look in FIU's last now, the team is 0-2 now. They lost the bowl game. They lost to Marshall. They lost to to um, so we go back here. If we take a look back, going from uh, October twelfth, right? So let, let's go back a year, a year from now. We got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games. If you add the two this year, David FIU's record in the last uh, um, nine games, three and six, and those wins: Cooper, UTEP, Old Dominion, and Miami. Now. I'm not going to take anything away from the Miami win. I'm a believer that you play who's on the schedule. But guess what? Old Dominion was, I believe, one. No, I think Old Dominion didn't win a game last year. Remember, serves me correct. And UTEP was a one-win team. So the two wins outside of Miami that you had in the year span come against teams with a mind record, if my memory serves me correct, of 1-21. and 21. That's, uh, that's got to change. The fact of the matter is FIU has a win problem. And they need to win in the worst way. So, David, I'll, I'll kick it to you off of that. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's bad, man. It's um, you know, and and the thing is, what's what's crazy is that before you know the Miami game, in Butch's years, his biggest issue was like winning, you know, the the big games besides you know the bowl game. But like we we usually take care of teams like Middle Tennessee, and then now you know we just looked so bad and it's, it's, it is like an, it is an issue and it's, it's something to be brought up. Um, listen, I'm not on the, the fire butch train like yet, but man, it's just he, things. Yeah. We need to win very badly. And this Saturday game is going to be very tough for us. I mean, it's, it's a good, it's a solid Charlotte team and we're playing at Charlotte and, you know, and, and, we're rightfully so underdogs and it's just, you know, it's, I don't know the, I don't have the answers right now, but it doesn't look good. It does not look good. And, and fan morale is, is pretty low right now. Yeah. It, it, it's just, and, and I wonder how it, it either turns and gets better. I tend to think, and I, I don't want to be this like, and maybe just, I can just play kind of play the cynical guy here. Uh, Cause I've been through this with a couple of coaches at FAU uh, and sometimes after three, four years, what you kind of have is what you kind of have. And you just kind of decide if you want to accept that or not. Uh, you know, it, it, I just don't think it's going to become something that you envision in the next few years and just kind of going back. And I, I don't want to be like this butch hater. I'm not, but just even if you look at the North Carolina days, 
you know, that team and people like to say, well, it was North Carolina. Well, we've seen a lot of coaches be successful at North Carolina recently. Um, they were always about 500 in conference when he was there. And it was a down ACC. It was end of Bobby Bowden, Randy Shannon, uh, when Clemson was still Clemsoning Clemson ACC. As I, you know, as I recall, there was a Georgia Tech Wake Forest ACC championship game, I believe, in those years. But so now I'm just I'm like I'm just looking at the big picture here, and I'm like, is is there anything on the horizon where this change? And last week you thought, okay, wow, Stone Norton, that's that's the future. That looks that's a bright spot. And man, it, it's just it's baffling to me that anything. If Stone's the future, I mean, at this point, do you just put him out there for Wiggins? And if if Wiggins only going to produce that like thirty yards of passing, God, you might as well just have Stone do that. He's at least the future. Uh, am I wrong for thinking that? No, I'm I'm with you like 100. percent I totally agree. I think we should have put Stone out there. Um, like even if he didn't get you know all the practice that Wiggins got. There's just things that he can do that Wiggins doesn't. And obviously, you know, Wiggins does things that Stone can't. But if we're not going to adjust to him, might as well just stick with Stone. Um, so I, I, I agree with you there. And when it comes to the future, I mean, I, I don't want – I hope we didn't – you know, obviously the nine-win the nine season with Butch was, you know, amazing. But, you know, we, did, we haven't won a conference championship since the Mario Cristobal Sunbelt days. And, like – I don't know if it has Butch like peaked with us. Like, is this our peak? Like, I, I don't know. Like, I would like to say that we, we would have shots at the conference, but you know, I, I just like, we haven't seen it yet. And the one time we did have a shot, we, we blew it. Like we blew it against like an old dominion team. So um, yeah, man, it's, Dude, I'm this is, I'm depressed. <laughs> this is this is what I'll say really quickly before we get into a little bit of FAU talk. We do need to talk about the Owls, and you know they are kind of making um, some national news for not the the best reasons. And I'll kick it over to Shane when I finish this point. But here's a, here's a, all, all I'm saying is, is, is this: it's two games, so there's no need to hit the panic button. But is there a reason to be concerned based off the stat that I gave as far as who this team has beaten in over the past calendar year? Yes, and it's something we we'll have to look you know, to see, but here's the thing, David, you know, and this is why I said, I, I, I'm not going to go full on panic mode, but it's the reason to be concerned. If this team finds a way to beat Charlotte, you know what? We're able to put last week behind them. They shouldn't have lost to a, to a winless middle Tennessee state team. Uh, I, I don't, I'm not going to get in trouble for saying this. That MTSU team is not that good. They have to they look bad in many ways and they celebrated like they won their Super Bowl. Um, as someone who was at Ricardo Silva stadium, you could hear that locker room from a mile away. Uh, but uh, it's not quite panic time, but it's definitely concern time based off of the last calendar year of play. Shane, uh, let's go and talk about the Owls for a little bit, man. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I, I, I used to just be jealous of teams playing. I mean, after FIU, not so much, but, and FAU is one and oh remains that way. They had another game at the last minute canceling of COVID. And it, it seemed like things were going for a while after, you know, just to catch up, FAU's uh, first game against Georgia Southern was a COVID issue on their end. The next week, it was a COVID issue on South Florida's end. They played the game versus 
Charlotte uh, with no issues. They got the team mostly back uh, outside of a couple of players, a handful of players. And now uh, pretty much Thursday night, uh, it broke out and the numbers, it isn't a few. It's, it was nine, it was 18 players and nine staff members. Uh, And, you know, that's made some national news of people, you know, and it's it's naturally drawn some criticism towards FAU and how they're handling this. I, I, Eric, I don't know what to make of it. I, I, there's part of me, I don't know. I guess the issue is I don't know exactly what FAU's COVID protocols are, what they're doing, what's being said, what's being said amongst the players, what the captains on the football team are doing to make sure guys are doing the right thing. Um, and part of me wants to be like, this is an athletics issue. There's a lot of people out there naturally going to Willie Taggart, you know, blaming the head coach. And I I just don't know what to make of all of it. Uh, Shane, uh, you and I have talked about this off air a little bit, and, uh, this is my big POV guys. It's a pandemic, you know? Yes. And, um, Shane, I hope I'm not, um, betraying any trust when I say this, but one of the points that, you know, I think we kind of stumbled upon off air was that FAU is the only team to have significant games missed. Uh, USF, I believe has missed one. Within the state. Excuse me, within the state of of Florida. With that's, I think a lot of the frustrations come is you see Florida play every week. You haven't seen UCF break out issues, Miami, and, you know, even maybe unfortunately for Florida state fans, um, not to make light of it, but you know, they've had to play every week. So, but yeah. And I think that's where a lot of the frustration comes from. Right. So yeah, just to correct that within the state of Florida. And like I said, it's a pandemic. It's one of those things that we can't take this lightly. I know there's frustration that other teams and other programs, regardless of state, whoever may be, have had a chance to, you know, can you execute, excuse me, to kind of execute this thing, um, Uh, well I won't say correctly but they've executed it well and I don't think that the blame can be laid at the hands of Willie Taggart because you can only ask 17 to 23 year old kids to do so much unless you're going to keep them under lock and key for x period of time and my big thing is this I I would I would personally and Shane I, I will ask both you and David this question I don't know if it's unreasonable to think this maybe I'm just some measured journalist who is only capable of lukewarm opinions but um I, I, I would think that fans would view this season and think, hey, the fact that we're able to get any football out of this is just a plus because, man, we've seen teams who haven't played a game this year. We've seen team, multiple teams have had you know, games canceled and so on and so forth. I just think if I were an F, if, if this were UCF, you know, and when I'm going back to 2013, me, you know, peak UCF fandom when I'm living and dying on Justin Holman starts, um, I, I, I would say that it, it, would not, it would not bother me that the team – um, wasn't playing because of the pandemic. I think what would bother me more than anything else is that we have seemingly uh, a pretty damn good shot given the circumstances to really compete in Conference USA. And, uh, you know, given the pandemic, we can't compete because the yes. college, man, what are you going to do? Well, I think the frustration part is, is so let's say, and the numbers came in. So FAU, 18 players tested positive, nine staff members, right? And that's even before contact tracing. So, FAU has a, had a natural bye built in this week. Uh, this was actually their real bye week. Um, would have been this week before their trip up to Huntington. Now, theoretically, and, and it's obviously more with contact tracing. So FAU could be missing anywhere from a third 
to possibly even half their football team for two weeks. Remember, they got a lot of the results on Friday so or, or from two Thursday tests. So they're going to go practice for two weeks with a third or half their football team gone and then go up there and play play a Marshall team that hasn't had any issues and is playing and is and have and, and that's how the East is going to get decided. You're just going to throw, you know, what it was one report that Effie used a lot of it had hard the offensive line had was had a lot of itch. So what are you just going to take? I guess what three or four of your starting offensive linemen give them one day of practice after being locked in their dorm and be like, all right, go beat Marshall. I mean, we have no shot in that game. It's not, it's, it's not competitive that like, that's not even a fair environment in conference. USA just wants to jam it so they can throw up a box score and be like, Hey, we got it in. Right. I mean, there's no scenario where that's a fair game. Yeah. And, I mean, and plus Marshall looks very good. Like I, I've, I've seen, only, yeah. they look and, very good. In, 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 a, in a vacuum, if FAU is able to play and FAU is at full strength and Marshall's at full strength, that'd probably be a great football game that came down to the wire, right? Like a lot of FAU Marshall games tend to do, right? Two good teams, a lot of good athletes. FAU doesn't stand a chance going up there with these practice situations. You, you, <laughs> you can't just have half your team not practice for two weeks and go play and play anyone. I, I don't know if Clemson would survive that. You know what I mean? Um, you just, and this isn't, they're like, well, you can put in stuff through virtual. I mean, these kids are sitting in a dorms, not running around exercising. And also there's an element when these kids have to quarantine for two weeks and they're not getting in the weight room, doing the precautionary things. And they go out there and they put their body in football. That's higher risk for injuries. It's just, I, I don't know. It's like Eric in the grand scheme of things that that game in two weeks means nothing. And and see, and that's the point I'm trying to make. And I know I, you know, I come off as the reasonable measured voice, you know, of the program, but that's the thing I'm, I'm saying that in this game in two weeks in the greater scheme of things, you know, what are you going to do? So I just think when you look at the season in totality, the fact that we've been able to get a game so far for FAU positive. Yeah, sure. It sucks that middle Tennessee's gotten five games and we all know what, you know, they're one and four. Uh, but in, in the grand scheme of things, I just think, you got to take it day by day. And, and Shane, would it be unreasonable um, from the fan perspective or David, you know, if you want to chime in on this, that a fan could look at this and say, hey, the fact that we've got any football is a positive and this thing, like there, there were points. I think we forget, guys, because there's the 2020 has been such a, excuse my language, such a shitty year. Guys, we forget there were points prior to the season when it looked like we weren't going to get any football at all. You, you, uh, you say that, but will it? I, I and I think we're close to it, so we could throw that away, and in our head be logical about it. But when the average observer is watching us down, uh, thirty-five to three to Marshall, because <laughs> FAU's playing with freshman offensive linemen because those are the only guys they had to practice for two weeks. It, no, no one like it. it, it maybe half the fans truly know that there was like FAU is just putting out a, a patched team together. Uh, and, and you know what? And I want to make this point since there was some of this discussion with FAU this morning, uh, Baylor's had a breakout with like something crazy, like 29 players and eight staffers. Vanderbilt played a game and this will be similar to probably what FAU might have to play uh, this past weekend 
uh, against South Carolina with only 56 scholarship players. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it, is any of it real? But again, it, Eric, I'm telling you, and as a fan, it, if Marshall's up 35 nothing because FAU's out there with just whatever they can slap together team-wise, it won't feel the same when Marshall fans are, you know, uh, celebrating like it's, you know, 1994 again. So, uh, because, you know, they'll throw a parade over, you know, beating a, a patched FAU team. Shane Marinelli, uh, number one invitee to Huntington, uh, West Virginia. Not that Shane Marinelli has any desire to ever be in Huntington, West Virginia, but I digress. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, th- this is this is the thing. And David, you know, I, I'm not... I don't want to jump back into game coverage here, but I just kind of want to use it in terms of what Shane said. This is why I think fans should kind of be a little more reasonable. David, JJ Holloman didn't play a lot last week. That was the, it's not a coincidence that they started, you know, Chris Mitchell. <laughs> so I just think you got to be a little bit reasoned and, and, and know that this year in general is going to cause a lot of, not excusing the loss, but this year, you know, to kind of, blend the FAU, FIU thing together, this year is going to cause a lot of weird situ- situations that, you know, it's as much as it's a pain in the ass for fans, it's a pain in the ass for coaches. And, you know, we got to write about it. Yeah. I mean, no, I, I agree. It's listen, it's an unprecedented year. It's, you know, it's still very early. But like Eric did say earlier, I am just happy that, you know, football is back for the, you know, most part as weird as it, as weird as it is right now. It, uh, you know, it, it does somewhat at least feel kind of good that <laughs> we have football. Guys, that was another episode of the Shulable podcast. Thank you. Hopefully we can, um, you know, do this on better terms, uh, you know, after some wins or at least FAU playing. Uh, just remember to follow Eric at Eric Henry Wrights, uh, David Hondel, and me, you know, I've been traveling around, uh, getting recruits so at least i have that football (laughs) to follow but um no thanks for listening uh talk to you guys soon